0: Hey NAI football fans, this is Corey Thorpe with another edition of the NAI Football Podcast, powered by Adcraft USA, your custom apparel, merch, and uniform experts. That's right. Our friends at Adcraft USA have stepped up their game to become the presenting sponsors of our podcast and live show. These guys are NAI fans and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. Adcraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online, shipping, and helping your customers if they have questions so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com and adcraftwebstores.com. Hey, NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here for another edition of the NAIF Ball Podcast. You heard it just before. We are powered by Adcraft USA, the experts in all things, whether it be great gear, whether it be uniforms, whether it be web stores like you're about to see us drop, they're the people you want to go to. But today, we have Mike Nesbitt here from Ottawa Arizona. Coach, welcome to the NAIF Ball Podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, it's it's our pleasure. I always, I always say it. It's It's probably, folks are probably sick of hearing me talk about it, but it's, I always I always said it's it's a pleasure we got a, a you know it's a special pleasure to get to talk to any coach you know to get to to take some time out of their their day and, and chat with us it's it's something that i i try not to overlook and we appreciate your time so let's talk the Ottawa spirit here um you know you you have a year in in 2020 where uh you don't take the division. You come back in 2021, you win the division back, take it back from your in-state rivals in in uh, Arizona Christian. Talk to me ab- about um, you know getting over, getting back to rather, where you need to be winning those conference championships.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because uh, we we laughed the, yesterday as a staff. We had a big recruiting weekend, and and we were joking around because championship Sunday. Oh, two years ago, we 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 blamed Championship Sunday on us uh, losing the conference championship because this was the weekend that we were uh, getting ready for the spring season, and we we ended up uh, majority of the whole coaching staff ended up getting COVID, and so we we were all shut down for 14 days, which only mm-hmm. gave us about eight days, you know, to get ready to start a season, and and we look back at that, but that was that kind of that that first game of that spring season, and. We look at as a staff and a group of players is that last ten minutes and twenty some seconds of that game where we didn't play very well and we ended up, you know, giving up a twenty one point lead to those guys from Glendale. And and it it, it it kinda I think it rejuvenated our team a little bit because even our first season when we first played, we were seven and four that first year coming out of the gate. And and I can remember walking back into the team that January and saying, you know, we're seven and four and that's great. You know, it was our first year, but do you guys really think maybe we underachieved, right? We lost four of those games, all three of the four we lost on the last play of the game, either right. a field goal. We didn't convert to score a touchdown or kick a field goal. And I said, you know, if you really think about it, right, we, we could have been a nine and two football team and maybe we should have been a nine and two football team that first year. And all those, you know, we, we kind of joke around, but you know, we've talked about being successful since day one, even before we even started practicing with a group of guys that we didn't even know. And so we say that, right? And then we come back after that spring season, we're like, well, maybe it should have been back-to-back conference championships, right? Maybe it should be two for two. So what did we do, right? What did we do wrong as coaches? What did we do wrong as players? Where are we at? You know, who are we? Maybe we, we dropped the ball and missed a, you know, missed a step. And so, uh, we use that all summer, all spring, all fall camp. And, uh, you know, hopefully, right, we can we can keep building on it, you know. And we even talk about, we go all the way back to our first real road trip, our first season when we played Sagu. We went to Southwest Assemblies in Waxahachie, and it was kind of cold and rainy. And he had a really good team. Ryan and those guys had a really good team down there, great quarterback. And they got after us. And we were emotionally and physically tested we didn't handle it really good, you know, and, and we kind of were infighting with each other and it wasn't a good team deal. And so you look at those two moments, right, the 10 minutes against the guys from Glendale and then that trip to Dallas. Those were those are good moments to get us back on track to what we were in 21 to play really good football and complimentary football, because I thought at the end of the spring season, those last four games, we were playing as good a football in the country as anybody. I mean, in all three phases, you know, we were playing good on defense, good on special teams. Offense was taking, you know, chances and and getting turnovers and big plays and stuff like that. We were complimenting each other. And I think that built us to being able to get back on track, you know, and, and knowing that, Hey, look, we're, we're a good football team. We've got some good players and some good coaches, and we've got a lot of advantages at Ottawa. And so, Let's not let's not take it for granted by, you know, maybe looking around and going, God, we got a new weight room. We got new locker rooms. You know, let's not lose that blue collar mentality of let's just show up and work hard every day. And I, and I think that kind of I know it that last 10 minutes and in 23 seconds against those guys from Glendale brought us back to a reality of who we really need to be. Yeah,
0: um, you, you talk about the the past and, and kind of, you know, this is your your fifth year as a as a program. And so I I look up and down your roster and I look up and down the Sooner All Conference uh, rankings and and standings and and honors there and and I see so many of your of your players but a lot of them have that SR by their name and it really got me to thinking. You know, we we talk about getting a program off the ground in year one and year two, really setting that tone and and being that foundation for your program. But talk about year five a little bit, years four and five there and moving into kind of your second generation players and really starting to get the the, the flywheel of culture going.
1: Yeah, you know, part of it you know, one is, is even from the first team we had, we, I thought we did a really good job of recruiting the right transfers. You know, we knew we were going to need some transfers, you know, from division two, division one places coming back and to get you, get your talent level going the right way, you know, and, and you kind of look at it, but you got to be careful, right? You can't, you don't want to have too many transfers one, cause they're only going to be there for maybe six months and they're going to leave at Christmas break. Right. So you can't develop a, a culture or anything like that. And then you got to have the rise, the guys that no, they got to come in and lead. Well, we put that mix of those eight to 12 guys, right, with a bunch of good high school football players and guys that wanted to be four-year guys, it, which is what you saw, right, in this season. You know, we had a lot of guys coming through the team that were four- and five-year guys that could still remember not having a locker room, having to shower at a swimming pool across the street from a, a park that we practiced at, right, and and having to have the towels delivered every day to the pool, And then and then right? you you look back, right, we our kids had to carry their equipment bag the first year. Right. And so they didn't have a locker room. So we had a guy that donated a bunch of travel bags for us. And those kids had to carry around their equipment. Well, the funny part was when we got to the pandemic, we couldn't use the locker room that the brand new locker room we had built. We couldn't use the locker room because they couldn't be in the confined space. Well, so what did we have to do? We had to issue back 175 equipment bags and the guys had to get dressed in the in their car or at the stadium. They had to come out and we had to spread them all out, right? Well, I, I joke around. I told them that the other day. I said, I think we're going to do that every year. And the kids are like, no, no, we're not doing that every year. I said, no, I think we are because that's who we were, right? That's how we, we started the deal. And so that, I think that toughness, but then- people come and watch us play, right? And the city is surprised. We sell out every game. We got people driving their golf carts and parking them in the end zones and standing outside the fence. And, you know, they got the, they got the fold out chairs and they're standing up against the fence. And we walk out of that garage and all the recruits are standing there. And it just has a, a good local small town football environment. Right. And, And our kids go to the stores and they go to Walmart and they go to different places and they have their football stuff on. And people come up to them and talk to them and visit with them. That that creates right. That creates that bond between community, university, team. And it it draws people to it. You know, we had a nice recruiting weekend this weekend. And every one of the kids that we had come in from out of state that stayed in our local hotels, you know, the people in the hotel talk to them about coming here to play, you know, the people at the front counter, people at restaurants, you know, driving around town. And so that I think that creates the buzz to keep the talent level of people wanting to come and play in an environment, right, where they see guys like Shamar, right, Austin Bond, you know, Austin McCullough, that can be three, four time All-Americans. And so, you know, that they want name recognition right but they also want to be in a place that that's enjoyable to be around the other people and i think that's helped us the next four or five years right where we're at now going into year five and six is is kids want to be some place where it's important right and we right wrong or indifferent right when we first started this deal it's funny but you know old dr Eichner, the first thing he built and put on campus here was a football field we had a classroom we had one hallway and the first thing that got built was a field, right? Now, the soccer coaches will say it's a soccer field, right? But I always look at it like, well, if you don't think football is important at Ottawa University of Arizona, the first thing that was put in was a football field, right? Well, okay, so you better have some understanding, you know, when you come here. And we talked about that as a, as a team's Friday afternoon when we finished weights, you know, and, and I told the kids, I said, you need to watch Championship Sunday. You need to get home after church and you need to turn on those two games and watch how hard it is to win a game to get to a Super Bowl. Right? Because to us right now, you know, we've been to the playoffs twice, we've gotten beat twice. Well, now you're at the point, right? Okay, you're good enough to get there. You're good enough to win the conference championship. Now, how do you get to the semis and the quarters? How do you how do you get to play Grandview and Morningside? How do you get to those guys that they have to come here in December, November? How do you get a home playoff game? Right because that's really your next, that's your next step, right? And so then we have a bunch of new contestants in the room that have joined our team at Christmas break, and they're looking at us like, this is January, the last week in January, and we're talking about how important it is to work for a conference championship and what you got to do every day to get there. Um, I think that's the, that's the mindset, right? Because the players are talking about it. It's not just me, right? It's Bobby Tomlin and Josh Guterres on the defense, Seth Ham and David Sal on the D line, and you know, our quarterbacks and our running backs, Marcellus is in the locker room still, and Ricky Tong and Colin and those guys just reminding guys how important it is. And so I think that's a that's a neat thing to see when the kids are doing it and the kids are talking about it. Hey, we gotta do this. This is important for us to do, right? We gotta be we gotta be this type of people and this type of teammate. And so I think that's where it helps the the trajectory of the next four or five years for sure. So
0: let's talk about last season. You really do get off to a fast start. Um, you know, you, you beat Sagu, you beat Texas Wesleyan, who is is coming around. Uh, you you beat newcomer Louisiana, now Christian, um, and you beat the guys from uh, from Glendale um, there in uh, Arizona Christian. Uh, I, I love I love not calling them by their name. That's that's great fun. Um, and you get down and you lose a, a barn burner there to Langston at the end of the season there on your home field um you know before before completing your season with with a couple of wins um but but talk to me about the last season especially that loss against Langston and you know how how y'all got everybody kind of back going in the right direction and and really focused on what the uh, what the next goal
1: was. Well, I, you know, the the guys out at Langston, you know, Quentin and those guys there, they've got some talent. They've got some really good players. We've always played each other really well. I mean, he, you go back to our first year, right? We The first game we ever played against Langston, we're down 21-0 in the first five minutes. And we have to storm back to tie it. Then he goes up by 14. We tie it, then we go up by 14, and he comes back. And they beat us on the last play of the game, the first year. And so every season that we've played them, every game has been tough, physical. Um, Our players know his guys, his guys know us, you know, the coaching staff. He's got some guys on his staff that his fan, their families actually live two or three blocks from our campus, you know? So there's a correlate, right? We, We know each other, right? We recruit a lot of the same kids from across the country. And so it's, that's a, not only a recruiting, but a game, right? And so we always knew, right? And then there was some stuff going on with his team and, and with Quentin and, and their staff personally, and some stuff off the field that I think his players showed up that night. Cause a lot of people don't know Quentin didn't coach that night. He was at home with some family stuff that was going on and, and some things like that, that are pretty personal to him. And I think his kids showed up and got off that plane and his coaches showed up and said, Hey, we're going to do this for our head coach. And they were, you know, extra motivated and and, right, and they knew, right, they're playing for a conference championship at that point, too, in a playoff berth. And, and so, I like, think that's the the struggle, right? And then for us, you know, just as a team, right, we knew, one, right, that they were, as Langston, they were hitting the meat of their schedule, right? They had played the first half, but, well, they were going to start hitting Arizona Christian. They were going to start hitting Sagu. They were going to play – where we played the meat of the schedule early in the year – and had to get through it. And Langston was the last test of right. that stretch, right, of the four or five upper-top teams in the league. And so, you know, that was our deal was, you know, hey, look, okay, this is where we're at. One, they're ranked. We're still ranked. Don't don't throw, you know, don't throw the, everything out the window right now and just tank the season with a couple weeks to play. We had a bye week too, right, that could get us healthy. But more than, more than physical health, you got to get some mental health right sometimes too, right? You put a lot of energy into that, that game. We had a bye week going into Langston, play it, lose, you know, by three and have opportunities to win it, right? We have, we turn over the ball with 14 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That was a, a crazy play. Not very good on the quarterback, not very good on the wide receiver play. And, and we lose it, but we're still in it with the chance, right? With the chance to get it. And so, you go through all those struggles and then you come back and you're going, OK, and then we catch a break, right? We catch a break and Louisiana Christian comes through for us and what they're a good team, right? And so you watch Louisiana Christian all year and you don't realize how many players they had hurt the first four weeks of the season. Now, you lost a lot of talent the first four weeks of the season, really the first three games. And probably could have gotten sagu on the road at home, you know, and beat Southwest assemblies there in Louisiana and Pineville. And so you start watching it, you're going, okay, well, if you're not aware, which coaches are aware, right? They're aware player A's healthy, he's back. But those kids in the locker room, sometimes they just look at the record. They look at scores and, hey, we're going to roll out there and we're just going to go get these guys, right? OUAZ beat them by X amount. These guys, beat them. well, we're, Well, then all of a sudden you get into a dogfight on the road and you're going, oh, baby, and it's a one possession game, which we've all been in those. You don't want to be in that. And so ours was, hey, and then so when that happened for us, then you could see the next week there was a little life in the room. And then the funny part for that game was when we went to we went to Wayland Baptist and we were in, you know, in Plainview, we actually had won the game. We were done and we were standing on the field and found out that Arizona Christian had one possession and opportunity to win the game. And so we kind of just paused a little bit and said, all right, let's send some really good thoughts to those guys from (laughs) from Glendale right now, Send some thoughts over there and say, all right, can you guys come through? And we walked off the field and we were sitting in the locker room and all the coaches, we were outside and, and, uh, We had the game on the on the phones when we were listening to the play by play. And all of a sudden our locker room just erupted and went crazy. And I looked at all the coaches like we're behind. We're about five seconds behind. The kids already know we (laughs) won. You know, and so everybody's going crazy and we're celebrating in the locker room. And but it goes back to right, it goes back to a group of guys on our team that have gone through that bad right, that seven and four season where maybe we should be nine and two. And not playing good against sagu and having to learn that moment. And then, you know, getting beat by the guys from Glendale. when we thought we had a really good team in the spring. Right. And so you gotta, you gotta have those moments to kind of solidify and make your team hard and tough. And, and then go, well, look, you know, if, if we don't go to the playoffs and we don't win the conference championship, we had every opportunity to, right. We, we had every, we had the game, we had four quarters to, to play against Langston, just like everybody else. And we didn't do it. So you got to be mature at that point, And then we catch a break and have some faith and, and some good luck. Right. And so that, I, I think that was the, the, you know, it's just a good group of guys, right. Good character in your locker room, a good team. You know, we always joke around, we call it having a bunch of the right guys, the right dudes, good dudes in your locker room. And, you know, and if you have a good, good group of guys that are mature enough to go, well, we had the opportunity and we just didn't do it. Well, let's take care of the eight quarters we do have left, and then see what happens, right? Because those other guys that are playing have to take care of their quarters too, right? They got to win the game, and so I think that was a big part of it—just staying focused on the job.
0: I want to talk about—I don't—I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you and gotten your gotten your thoughts on it. Um, you know, we we all know Ottawa of Arizona runs an air raid. We all know it. We've all heard it. But by George, for a Dagham College that runs the air raid, you sure got some all conference running backs and some all conference O linemen. Talk
1: about your very grounded air raid attack. Well, I, I you know, that's always been a that's always been kind of a a, a miss, I don't know, like a, a like a lie about the air raid, right? Everybody always wants to talk about the quarterbacks and the receivers and those guys. But if you go back through the really good football teams that the Air Raids had over the years, even back to when Coach Mummy and those guys were at Kentucky, right? I mean, you go back when they beat LSU and those guys, they had a really good running back, you know, playing for them. That was Kentucky player of the year, high school player of the year, running back of the year, playing for them, you know, when they had couch and those guys. And so um, the offense works if you have a good quarterback. And right. That's true. But. You have got to have a running back. You got to have a running back, and you got to have an O lineman set of O linemen that can make those defensive guys play play honest. You know they got to add six guys to the box. They got to control the they got to control the up front, because then that helps you in the back end. If you're not playing complementary football that way, and still build your team from the inside out, you know it, it's watch Kansas City today. Kansas City today, right? They've got a great tight end they've got two really good slot wide receivers and they've got two really good running backs coming out of the backfield and it it balances up the defense right cuz you still got to say all right we got to honor everybody we got to honor the whole width of the field and we got to honor the inside part and so we we always wanted to be that way and we've been that way really my whole coaching career all the way back to bloom college when I mean, we had james johnson and bernard scott on the national championship team you know there was a stretch there we had probably maybe six of the best running backs in the whole state of Texas at any level on our team. And so, you know, you got to be able to let that quarterback know that he's got a guy behind him, that he can hand the ball off to one, right. When the weather's bad, when things aren't going good, but it also makes that D coordinator say, okay, I got to decide, right. Who, who am I going to stop? Right. Am I going to take away, you know, Jordan King and Trotman and Brandon McLaughlin and, and, and rich on the perimeter, or am I going to stop Shamar and Marcellus? Right And so that's that's the balance. And then, when you can add a tight end in there, uh, which we've been lucky enough to have the last couple seasons that can really play for you an inside wide receiver, you know, like Jonah, Alicia, that can really get after it and stretch the field internally, then you're playing the balanced balanced attack. and and we still do and 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 it's a funny stat, but we've always gone back. we always look at that tailback position and say, okay, how many all purpose yards do you get out of that position, right? Well, you got a guy like Shamar that's almost 220 some yards all purpose a game for kickoff returns, punt returns, right? And then out of the backfield, you put all those together. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, you're you're doing some good stuff because you gotta look at you gotta look at that F position. If he's gonna be your kick returner or punt returner. How many yards are you getting out of that guy game, right? And, and and we treat those two plays as offensive possessions. We treat punt return as an offensive possession, and we treat kickoff return as an offensive possession. And so then you put Shamar and Marcellus in the backfield and you combine those numbers, uh, you're you're doing a good job. And then let's, let's be real honest too, right? We've had a great offensive line the last three years, right? We've had guys that have played together three times. I, I think we've had the All-American center the last three years. With Tristan Shehorn, right? Tristan Shehorn was an original recruit we had in the program the whole time. And then he graduates after a fantastic all-conference, all-American career. And what do we do? We pick up the Remington award winner at center, right? So let, let, let's not, you know, go, okay. And then you got Nomar Laurel there that's a starting left guard that is one of the most powerful guys. And then your two tackles are all-conference players since they were freshmen. Um, so we're, we're putting the right pieces of the puzzle, but I think that's where some guys get lost in the air raid and go, well, they're just going to throw, well, there's probably only one of us. And that's the guy at Mississippi state still that defies the odds of running the football. But all the rest of us have said over the, as we've grown, like you still got to be physical up front and run the ball. So, you know, we don't, we don't hide that fact, but you better have a great tailback. If you're going to be a really good air raid team, if you're going to be a conference championship air raid team you better have a good running back and a good center for sure. I'm
0: not sure if, if Mississippi state picked up Mike Leach more for the, uh, for the coaching acumen or just for the memes. <laughs> he he, he, sells, tickets. he Dude, sells tickets. Does he ever his, his interviews are like next level. They're, they're insane. That man, I I'm not sure he is walking the same planet that we are.
1: No, he he's probably the only one that can get away with some of those interviews. I don't know. if I don't know if a lot of us, in the coaching world could do the same thing. And, and I've been around him a long time since about 1998, 99. And, and I, I don't know if you can get away with the stuff that, that he, he does. I, I, there's not a lot of presidents and ADs that are going to tolerate that with Mike Nesbitt. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> I, that, dude, that dude's incredible. One of the things that I've seen is, from a larger perspective in the sooner um, is, is kind of the, there's a lot more parody. In the Sooner now than there was when we started covering this. Back back when we started covering it, and back when Ottawa started, it was effectively Langston and the field. Yep. Um, and and don't get me wrong, Langston is still a powerhouse in the Sooner and ain't going anywhere anytime soon. But you've got added in Arizona Christian, Ottawa of Arizona. Texas Wesleyan is really starting to pick it up. Um, Segu, that that defense impresses me year after year. Had a really good quarterback and running back combo that really helped them out this year. And then you've got Louisiana Christian who you know is is an NCAA uh, bounce back themselves. They know what it what it takes over there. Talk to me about the development of, of the parity and what that's going to mean for y'all long term as a conference
1: well i i one i you know i i think our conference is just going to keep growing in that in that respect right it, we all know as as head coaches in our league some of, one of us is going to have to win a playoff game right that, that's until we do that right then it's going to be hard for us to get two teams in once we get if one of us can get in that in that round and, and advance and get two or three rounds deep maybe make it to a semis or a quarters or something like that right then that's going to change the perception of, of our league right across the board that we've got some talent. But what it's done, though, is, is you can see the recruiting, right? Texas Wesleyan, they're going to build an on-campus stadium. I think theirs is going to be done by the fall. New field, new stadium, right? And so, well, why 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 is Joe doing that, right? Why is he pushing his AD to do that? Well, he comes out to our place twice now. New gym, new stadium, home field advantage. They're playing at a really nice high school stadium, but it's a big, it's off campus. People aren't coming to it. So what does he want, right? He wants the same environment that, that we have, right? Ryan at Sagu, those guys are are doing a good job of just being able to recruit the Metroplex, and now he's getting into Mississippi with his talent. Um, and so you, you see that, right? Louisiana Christian, right? You You look at those guys. They have a whole state of Louisiana that has – not a very big junior college market. A lot of Division One and One AA teams, but no Division Twos, and they have a good price point and a good scholarship model. They're going to be able to get some talent, right? And so, you can really see the the league growing in right the level of importance of football on their campus. Right, Texas Wesleyan can see our growth probably as an athletic department. Say, okay, we're in the Dallas Metroplex, Fort Worth area. We should be growing at a faster rate athletically, right? It, if Ottawa can do that in five seasons, why why are we not at that point, right? Well, their coaching staff is going to compete, and Joe's going to do a good job of getting those guys going. And, and Quentin has had that market in Langston, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Dallas, North Texas area for so long. And then with his Louisiana ties, he's been able to jump in there and recruit those guys. Well, now all of a sudden— you start seeing teams advance, get to the playoffs, the whole deal. Well, right now, now everybody's, you know, it's that, that competition of, Hey, we got to keep up with each other. Right. You know, the guys that, the guys at Glendale, right. They're putting in stadium lights. They're expanding their stadium. Right. Well, they want to be able to have night games on campus like we do now. Right. They don't want to, they want to get away from that 11 AM, 120 degrees September game where people can't come to the game. Cause it's just too hot. Right. Jeff and those guys know what they're doing, right? And so, you know, and it's it, it's going to become an arms race, even at this level, right? I mean, we've even talked about how are we going to expand our stadium where we can get 3,000 fans, right? How are we going to do that, right, with our new dorms and everything that are going in? How can we incorporate that to where we can get that going because, right, Texas Wrestling is going to get it. So what's what's going to be the next thing that's going to help us recruit and, and stay above? And I think that's who benefits from that it's the students that benefit from that, right? It's the student athlete that's getting recruited, right? The competition between our ADs, our presidents, and our coaches, right, that we want to have the best and and all that. Well, ultimately, the kid's going to be the one that's going to get the new weight room, right? Texas Wesleyan players, they they want a stadium on campus, right? So who's going to get, they're going to have their own stadium now, their own practice facility, they an improved weight room, right? Well, the kids get right. it's all of us knucklehead coaches think it's, ah, oh, it's us, right. We're get well, no, really the players the one that gets the, gets the benefit of that, of that improvement of our league, you know, and then it, and then here's the other part, I think that's important for us. And we've talked to the, the guys up in, in the Rocky mountain area, you know, with, with coach Stutz and those guys in Montana and, and different places of, we got to play college of Idaho. We got to play Rocky Mountain in non-conference. We got to play Montana. We got to play those schools, Southern Oregon and those guys. We got to get out regionally, you know, and play a, another game like we did against Dome two years ago in '19. We got to get out and and play out-of-conference games in the NEI market. We got to travel. Those teams got to travel to us, and we got to play those games just to get our our brand, that Sooner Athletic Conference brand, out there of you know, okay, yeah, we'll travel to Billings, Montana and play. Let's go, right? We'll go back up to Boise and play College of Idaho. But we we need to schedule those games and get away from you know, playing games that one are are not right, like division three schools, right? Division three schools NCA, they won't play in AI schools because it doesn't help their strength of schedule for their their rank, the good ones, right? Now it's hard to get Linfield on your schedule. Linfield knows he's gonna be a playoff team it's hard to get that game on your schedule for a home and home. Cause he needs that strength of schedule or a Mary Harden Baylor or somebody like that. Right. For our Texas schools. Well, we've got to find, you know, like coach Ryan and those guys at Morningside, we were scheduled to play them in 20 before the pandemic hit, we were going to do a home and home with them. And then after the playoff game, we're both like, well, I don't know if we want to do this every year. Right. But <laughs> we we're both emotionally exhausted. It took us probably till the convention in January to recover a little bit, but, that 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 I think for our Sooner Athletic Conference, that's where we have to start. We have to figure out a way to get the KCAC, the guys up in the in the northern part of the country, in, in Iowa and in Montana and, and those places. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go interconference battles, right? Our our teams are gonna play your teams, and we're gonna show that our league can compete across the country. I think once we start doing that. You know, as a commissioner and as an athletic department it's across the board of the Sooner, that'll change, you know, that once we start playing Kansas Wesleyan, right, like Langston and, and Texas Wesleyan, those guys have been doing and we are winning those games. Well, all of a sudden, right. OK, well, that's two playoff teams from both different conferences that are that are pretty good. Right. It'll help our strength of schedule. Before I let you go
0: um, question, I've been kind of asking everybody and and you've already sort of hit on it a little bit with uh you know, your, your stadium atmosphere a little bit. But I, I've been really kind of getting this poll of of the coaches of how do you and your athletic department really engage and build your support base and those relationships outside the lines of football. Cause I mean let's be honest. That state that stadium, that weight room, you know, what everyone wants to do, that arms race, those buildings aren't gonna build themselves. You've got to have you got to have some people uh, that are that are committed to ottawa of arizona just as much as as you know staff and players are that are that are gonna uh, help build your program from outside the line so talk about building that especially as it as it uh, pertains to doing so in in what's you know a large market here uh or there in in phoenix
1: well you know that that's that's a tough one right because we are an nfl city right? i mean you got to realize right you you got the NBA, you got NHL, you got the NFL, right? They're all three of those teams, right? They play 10 minutes from our campus, Cardinal Stadium. The hockey team, they're they're 10 minutes from our stadium, right? And so there's a lot of people that are Arizona State, U of A alums. Um, we did a, I thought we did a really good job initially of attacking that. We 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 got after a part of our community, right, which is the snowboard, you know, snowboarders, right, that come from the Midwest and. They move out here in october september and you know their teams might be michigan michigan state right ohio state well they're they're not driving down to tempe at night they're not going to go be a season ticket holder for the sun devils they don't have a connection well they have a connection to our kids because they see our kids on a daily basis in the community right they see ouaz football they see our basketball kids they see it right well they're 10 minutes they're five minutes They're some of them are walking across the street from their neighborhood To come to our games. Well, that was our draw initially, right? Is we could get that 55 year older retired community. We could get those guys out. And then our next one was, you know, attack that that 40 and younger, that first generation family, right? That have a bunch of elementary school kids and, you know, that can't go pay $60 to go park, right, at a stadium, but and $40 for a ticket. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's an $800 a night deal to take your kids to a football game. Well, they can come across the street to Ottawa and they can eat and have a hot dog and a Coke and the whole deal. And it's less than a movie. And they get to watch some really good kids play some good football, right? That was our initial, but the big thing for us was get our kids out in the public, get them involved with the city, get them involved with city hall, get them involved with the fire department and different, different groups, right? St. Mary's food bank, veteran affairs groups, get them out where, our kids became people, right? They weren't, they're not an NFL guy, right? They're not Kyler Murray and that they're, they're just good kids, right? So you get those guys out and, you know, and then that, that helped us with some of that. And then the corny one that we do that everybody gives us a hard time about, right? Is when we win a big game and we do big win Mondays, right? And we hand out donuts, to all the kids, right? I mean, we, we started that a few years back at another school and it was good. And then But at a place like this where everybody knows everybody got 900 and some kids on campus and what another 200 faculty and staff members so under a thousand guys right so and people on our campus so we win a game on saturday every monday morning at about eight o'clock they know coach nesbitt's going to go rolling through the halls with 16 18 20 dozen donuts right from our local donut shop right across And they're hot glazed donuts and everybody so now we got professors, right, that have their milk sitting on their desks ready to get a donut, right, in our administration and the president and chancellor. Well, then all of a sudden, right, the kids are coming out to the games. They're being part of it, you know, because we're telling them, hey, thanks for coming to our game. Here's a donut, right? You cheered for us on Saturday night. You know, thanks. Got another game coming up next week. And everybody starts looking for a donut, right? Well, then here's the deal, which is what you want, right? You don't win on Saturday. You get beat by Langston, right? two weeks without a donut's a long time Boy, everybody's got a little sour taste in their mouth and they're they're chomping at the bit to get the next getting the next win right and so what does it do right a donut creates thought about your football team and your program and gets people talking about it when you walk in and out of their classrooms and and it's corny right but it's college football college football's corny right it is right i mean it's it's what it all is it's tailgating and it's a turkey leg and a barbecue and you know, painting your face and getting a paw sticker on your face or whatever it is, right? You know, our our kids standing in the rafters, right? We call our student section the rafters. Well, it's the stairwell of the four-story dorm that overlooks the visitor section, right? The kids move out their furniture and they sit out there on the edge and they yell and they scream and they make noise and they heckle the visiting team standing on the sideline that's right underneath them. And, right, that's college football. Right. And so we named them the rafters and we give them stuff and put little trinkets underneath their dorm room and post signs who's which floor is going to be the loudest. And right, well, that's that's college football. Right. So you, you name a group of people. Right. The Cameron Crazies weren't the Cameron Crazies until somebody named them the Cameron Crazies. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, some, somebody had to get it started. And so, you know, we do some fun things like that to get people involved. But it really comes back to having the right people right the right kids in your locker room the right coaches on your staff that when they're out in the public and they're at the gym or the local grocery store or whatever it is there's a sense of community between the team the coaches cuz then it becomes it becomes one it becomes one with the city of surprise and i thought our I, I really think our football program and our athletic department has done a good job of making our team the city of surprise's football program and I think if we can keep doing that and, and keep some of our corny stuff going, and keep the donut guy employed and keep his business moving every Monday, we got a shot.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's always a pleasure chatting with you, and looking forward to to watching y'all play and and watching the entire Sooner. Like I said, it's it's I love good football. Just hands down, that's that's always what I root for, and you know, to, to see a league with with increasing parity is always something that I want to watch and see. Yeah,
1: it really is. You know, it's good for everybody. It is. I appreciate everything you guys do. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for supporting NAIA football. It's important. Appreciate it, coach. We hope
0: you enjoyed this episode of the NAIA F-Ball Podcast, powered by Adcraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com forward slash N-A-I-A F-Ball and become a patron. We can't do what we do without our sponsors and listeners like you.